Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor start speaking after I watch that. It's, uh, it really is, draws me into to what this season is all about. Glory to God in the highest. L- last week we were challenged to believe the unbelievable. We were challenged with the fact that, with the notion that, that there are some things in life that seem too good to be true. But that this season, the unbelievable, the almost unbelievable, isn't too good to be true. That, that it did actually happen. And I'm not talking about Santa Claus or, or any of those secular kinds of things. I'm talking about Jesus Christ Himself who came to this planet to rescue us. A, a, a fact in the course of history. Um, the Messiah, the Savior of the world, miraculously and supernaturally came to this planet, to this earth, to save us. I mean, think about that. Just... Take time this morning to, to let that soak in. Uh, let, let go of all of the, the hustle and all of the bustle that goes on in, in approaching the 25th of December and let that sink in. Jesus Christ came. And there were many eyewitnesses we saw, angelic messages to common people like you and me. Shepherds, pastors, um, housewives, And there was a humble birth, all a journey of life, all circumstances in a lot of people's lives that all happened to happen at the right time, right? In the course of history. Amazing things leading up to the birth of Christ and Jesus' death and resurrection. Gabriel brought a message to Zechariah we saw last week. And he said, Zechariah, your wife is going to have a child. And it happened just as God promised. And this child, the, the angel Gabriel said, will, you will name him John, and this son of yours will prepare the way for the Savior who is coming. A child, this child, this Savior, that you as a nation have been praying for is coming in a matter of months. And we saw that not so unlike us, Zacharias struggled with unbelief in the circumstances of life and in, within the promises of God. But God didn't give up on him. It happened just as the way he said it would. Elizabeth became pregnant and had a child and they named him John. And John, what? Prepared the way for the Messiah. And then Gabriel also appeared to a young girl by the name of Mary. A relative, just so happened, right, of Elizabeth. All the fulfillment of prophecy. You see, there are over 300 prophecies in the Old Testament that refer to Jesus that He fulfilled. 300, 300 prophecies, predictions 
And Jesus fulfilled them all. I, I wonder uh, what it would be like if I sat down and tried to make 300 prophecies about myself. Okay, imagine this. I sit down at my desk. I, I'm like, okay, I'm going to come up with 300 prophecies about myself. Okay, and of course I'm going to think of things in which I can fulfill, right? Because I want to fulfill those and be proved to be a prophet. But do you think I could write down 300 things that I'm going to do in the future and then actually have me do them? I don't think so. I don't think that's even possible. You see, Jesus fulfilled things that, that were written about him a thousand years before he was born. And, and things like this, things in reference to when he'll be born, where he'll be born, how he'll be born. Now, you can't control those things, right? You didn't get to pick where you were going to be born and how you were going to be born and when you were going to be born. It just happened. Jesus fulfilled all of those prophecies. You can't choose those things unless, of course, you are God. Other prophecies include things like how Jesus would die and, and what he would die from. Again, over 300 prophecies in reference, to, in reference to Jesus, all fulfilled. A thousand years before Jesus came and died on the cross, David, in one of his psalms, describes what death by crucifixion is like. He said Jesus would die this way, and he said this is how he would, he would die. Now think about this. The Roman civilization doesn't exist yet. Crucifixion hasn't been invented yet. Yet David, in one of his psalms, describes exactly what was going to happen to Jesus, and it happens just as he said it would. Why? God told him. God, God is the one that set up these prophecies. Uh, look at Second Peter chapter one, verse twenty-one, up here on the screen. For prophecy never had its origin in the human will. In, in other words, it's saying guys just didn't sit around and come up with this stuff and write it down and then hope that one day it was going to come true. But prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. See, it was the Holy Spirit. It was God Himself who, who gave these prophets the words that they were to say and to write down. And it was God Himself that fulfilled these things to be true, just as He said it would. Now, there have been a lot of people who have claimed to be prophets, even, even in our lifetime. Even in the last year and a half or two years, there have been people who have claimed to be prophets. If you remember the name Howard Camping, he claimed that the, the earth, that Jesus was returning on May, I think it was 23rd. I don't remember the exact date, but, but it was in May of 2012. Life was going to be over, right? And what happened? May 23rd came and went, okay? So, what did people say? Oh, he was a false prophet. And, and what did he admit? Oh, I was a false prophet. No, that's not what he did. He, he, he thought, okay, I must have done my math incorrectly. That's what, that's what his excuse was. I did my math incorrectly. All the while, his bank account in his ministry is getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. Now, I don't know if that's why or what, why he did what he did. But he said he, he changed the date. I think then it became December something in 2012. And what happened? That date came and went. And then, of course, there was the whole Mayan thing, right? That, that they were somehow predicting that the world was going to come to an end at a certain... These are all prophecies, right? They're predictions of what's going to happen in the future. And it didn't happen. Why? Because those are mere men, mere people, sitting down and writing something down. 
coming up with their own thing, with their own plan, with their own understanding. It wasn't God himself speaking to them. With the prophets and what we have in the Bible, it was God speaking himself. The Bible is prophetically accurate. Jesus said in Matthew 26:56, but this has all taken place that the writings of the prophets might be fulfilled. Now you might think, well, Jesus was just a man and, and he read those prophecies and he knew them and he was just going to, he just made it up as he went. But how does he convince how does he convince people to conspire to commit murder? How does he convince... There's just no way. If you think about the details of the end of Jesus' life, there's no way that he could just make that happen. It happened because God said it was going to happen this way. God working throughout the course of history. And the Bible is prophetically accurate. And, and see, these things are what's happening. They're coming true just like God said they would, and they're happening in the lives of ordinary, normal people. Elizabeth, Zachariah, Mary. They're people just like you and me. Moms, children, pastors. Living life in normal circumstances. It's not fairy tale. It's not Aesop's fables. These are real people experiencing life uh, as it happens to them. Revelation 22, verse 6, John says, The angel said to me, These words are trustworthy. You can trust these words and true. Why? Because, because they're from God. He goes on to say, The Lord, the God who inspires the prophets, sent his angel to show his servants the things that must soon take place. It is completely trustworthy. And at the very center of all of this prophet is who? Of this prophecy is who? Jesus Christ. Jesus. That's why we celebrate Christmas. Jesus. All this revelation, all of the events, it's Jesus. And today we're going to take a look at his mother. The servant that God used to put himself on the planet. As one of us. As one of us, and he came to transform us. See, now life can be incredibly frustrating, can't it? I mean, think about your own circumstances. I mean, uh, things happen. Um, in your business, things break down. You have expenses you didn't think you were going to have. Life gets frustrating. Your health, your health can go south. And, and that adds to some of those financial things. But, but even despite the financial things, there's those, there's those day-to-day things. You can't do things like you were able to do before. Um, it takes time to, to recover from things like that. I mean, if there are just there's circumstances that happen in our life. Right now, you might be saying, I'm in the middle of some very uncomfortable circumstances and it's hard for me to see that God is at work. Now, we need to understand that the the characters in the Bible, God was working, we see it, we read it, but they're in the midst of this, living this. Mary is in the midst of this, living this. It's happening to her. She's breathing, having to experience this. And you may be thinking to yourself, "I I don't see God working. I don't see God working. And I, I wonder if, if there were times in Mary's life, in Zachariah's life, in Elizabeth's life, in the life of others, the shepherds, where, where they just didn't see it. And they're wondering, is, is, is this for real? But God is at work. And, and, and God is doing and working things out as He wants to work them out. Life isn't easy, is it? And, and, and as much as I've searched the Scriptures, I can't find anywhere in here where it says that if you put, make Jesus Christ as your Savior, if you surrender your life to Him, that your life will be easy. It doesn't say that. And, and it was 
very true in this situation for Mary as well. Now, as a servant of Christ and a child in his family, is it easy? No. Are there blessings along the way? Yes. Is it a better place than what I could do for myself? Yes. I believe that. And the events of Mary's life are no different. Here's a true story I read this week. A five-year-old little girl named Olivia and her best friend Claire were participating in their school's nativity play. Claire was playing Mary and Olivia was an angel. But before the show, there was this young boy uh, going around the dressing room repeating this. He'd go up to somebody and he'd say, I'm a sheep, what are you? And each child would respond politely, including Olivia, who was proud to say that she was an angel. Then the boy turned to Claire, still struggling into her costume with her mother's help, and he repeated the question to her, I'm a sheep, what are you? Claire simply said, I'm Mary. Realizing he was face-to-face with a lead character, he felt he needed to justify his role. So this little five-year-old boy, um, in all seriousness, said to, to Claire, you know it's hard being a sheep. Claire's equally serious response was humorously profound. She said, yes, said Claire, but it's also hard being a virgin, you know. (laughs) Now think about that. That was true in Mary's case, wasn't it? I mean, we think about all of the all of the fantastic parts of this, and, and, and we need to stop and think about what life was like for Mary in the midst of this. I mean, God put Mary in, in quite the position, didn't He? I mean, think about it. Was it really fair to Mary? She's unwed. And she is going to be found to be with child. And I'm sure she told Joseph about this. Well, Pastor Ty in in the second look takes a look at Joseph in this situation. So I don't want to talk about him. I'm going to let Pastor Ty do that uh, for us this week. But but think about Mary. I mean, what are the people going to say, right? I mean, Mary's going to tell her story, right? An angel appeared before me and and told me that, that God was going to make me pregnant. Right, Mary. Sure he did. I mean, even Joseph is having these thoughts, right? What are people going to say? I'm sure there's going to be a lot of whispering as she walks through town. Does this not seem a little unfair to Mary, to you? God has put her in this position. God has put her in this circumstance. I mean, and, and, and I'm sure they're thinking, well, yeah, sure, I'll bet it's Joseph. I'll bet it's Joseph. And, oh, you know, Joseph is of the line of David. So, of course, you know, the apple doesn't fall very far from the tree. David's just passed his sin on down the line. What are, what are people saying? The rumors, the gossip, but the assumptions we know, looking back at the story, were incorrect of the townspeople because we know the situation. We know that if Mary, we know that Mary's saying this was of God, that it was. It was of God. 
So let, let's look at let's look at this encounter that Mary had with with uh, with Gabriel in this situation, and that's point number one in your notes this morning. The encounter. Turn to Luke chapter one. We're going to begin reading in verse twenty six. Luke one twenty six and following. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, and and this sixth month is in reference to. Um, I don't know if it's calendar reference, but it's definitely reference to the number of months that Elizabeth is pregnant. Because at this moment in time that, that Gabriel appears to Mary, uh, Elizabeth is in her sixth month. God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a, na- a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. And Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. Once again, a common response of somebody in, in the Bible, and a, I would suggest somebody today if this ever happened to them, when an, an, uh, something not normal, an angelic being appears before them, what is their common response? It's fear. Whoa, what is going on here? This is not normal. There's something amazing happening here. And as I said last week, once again, Gabriel utters those four words that an angel has to use almost every time when they appear before a human being. Don't be afraid. Do not be afraid. Mary, you don't need to fear because this is of God. I am bringing you a message of God. Okay, now think about that statement. Sure, easy, piece of cake. I'm not going to be scared then. This is a part, the angel says, of what God is doing on planet Earth. He is going to step into humanity as a man. And he's going to do something great in the midst of humanity. And Mary, you are a part of this plan. He is going to use you specifically. Now I know, sometimes when you turn on the news and it's all bad, it's all bad, it's another school shooting or whatever, it's hard to see that God is working in our world, but He is. We have to stop and look. We have to stop and think. We have to reflect on the blessings that we have in our life. Because He is working. We are His instruments. He is using us. And we may not fully understand what it is that He is doing, but we can be sure that He is working. I'm sure Mary is is wondering at times, wow, what, what is going on? You will be with child and give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great. He will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. That has been fulfilled. It's done. He has come. And he is reigning forever. And it will never end. That is why we have a candlelight service. That is why we invite family and friends over on the 25th of December and we share a meal together. We are celebrating Jesus Christ coming to the earth to save us. 
His kingdom will never end. Now, let's take a look at the question that Mary asks. Because she does. She asks the question. Look in verse 34. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? Now, at first thought, when we read that, we, we think back to Zechariah and his response, right? And we wonder, maybe, why is God so easy on Mary and He's so harsh against Zechariah? Zechariah couldn't speak for nine months. But we know that his response was a response of unbelief. Okay? I don't think there's anything wrong with asking God or Gabriel, how is this going to happen? Um, think of it this way. Let's say one of your children comes up to you. Let's say they're in junior high. Okay? Middle school age. And your son looks up, looks up at you and says, Dad, I'm going to be a doctor when I grow up. Now, you have two responses that you can make to that, right? The first one is, oh yeah, how on earth are you going to do that? Okay? Now, what am I saying when I say it that way? You're not smart enough. There's no way you could be a doctor or whatever. Okay? Or what if I were to say, or you were to say to your son who came up and asked you this, um, told you this question, what if you were to say, Okay, so how are you going to make this happen? How is this going to happen? And his answer to that might be, well, you know, I'm going to study really hard. I'm going to get good grades in high school. I'm going to focus on science and biology. And then I'm going to go to college. Okay, right? Two separate, total different thoughts. Two total different ways of asking the question. And I think Mary is simply saying, I'm a virgin. How, how can this happen? How is this going to happen? Because Gabriel doesn't get really big and really angry and say, because you have doubted and you've had unbelief, what Gabriel does is answers the question. Which says to me, we can be honest with God and ask Him a question. God, how are you going to do this? How, how is this going to work? It's okay to ask Him questions. Gabriel answers in verse 35, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, so the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be barren is in her sixth month, for nothing is impossible with God. Gabriel basically says, look, this is how it's going to happen. And it has to happen this way in order for, for Jesus to actually be the Son of God. He can't be the Son of, a, a, of human birth. And then to in, emphasize the point that Gabriel is making, he says, and, and if I were Elizabeth, I would take exception to some of these. She is in her old age, he says, and barren. Look, God can do anything, he says to, to Mary. Even your relative Elizabeth is pregnant with child and she is in her sixth month right now. And then he says this, for nothing is impossible with God. We've got to remember that statement right there. In our own lives, in our own circumstances, where they're less than ideal and we're wondering what God is doing and what's going on and why has He allowed this to happen in my life? We need to remember that nothing is impossible with God. 
Mary has encountered the angel Gabriel who has brought an incredible message and she has interacted with him. And, and all that is left now is her response. How would you have responded if you had been in Mary's situation? I wonder how I would have responded. How, how do we respond when God surprises us with the unexpected? What God is calling you to now. Remember that these works that God is doing are in the midst of some trying and frustrating times for Mary and Joseph. There are lots of questions and accusations going on right now in their life. It's less than ideal. So what is Mary's response? Number three, the response. Look at verse 38. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. Then the angel left her. I, I am amazed at her faith. I am amazed at her trust. May it be to me as you have said. I mean, it, it doesn't get any more matter of fact than that, does it? I'm the Lord's servant, she says. I'm His to do with what He wants to do with me. So if this is what He says is going to happen, then okay. May it be so. See, there's two responses that she could have had. We've already seen one of them with Zachariah. She could have focused on the trouble that this deal was going to cause her. I mean, haven't you done that? You feel God is calling you to do something. Maybe it's make a change in your life or, or go someplace or take another job. And you, and you get the piece of paper out, right? And you do the pros and the cons. And you write all the pros of this decision or what you're going to do and you write all the cons. And if the con side is bigger than the pro-con, it's like, well, I'm not so sure I should do this. I'm pretty sure if Mary were to write down a pros and a cons list, at least at this point in her life, the cons list would be longer than the pro list. I mean, what in the world is going on? Her life would be so much easier if this weren't happening to her. It would. Or maybe to be uncertain or disbelieving or skeptical about it. That is a response that she could have had, like Zachariah. There was a, there was a dad who, who had two boys. They were twins. And he wanted to... They, one, one of these twin boys was a pessimist and one of these boy, twin boys was an optimist. And, and he had been fighting this. He'd been trying to get them to stretch out of their, their, their normal response in situations. I mean, one was, was glass half full and one was glass half empty. Now, I know there are people in our room this morning who, who are that way. You, you are a glass half full or a glass half empty type of person. And, and so this father, and I apologize if you've heard this before, but, but the father decides at Christmas time he's going to try and push his boys um, you know, the opposite direction. So for his pessimist son, he completely fills a room with toys. I mean, all of the greatest, latest and greatest toys for, for someone his age. And he puts his, he puts his pessimist boy in that room and he leaves him there. And, and he has another room that he has put together, probably a, a garage, I'm thinking, outside. And he fills it with two feet of horse manure. And he takes his optimist son and he puts him in this shed with all of this horse manure. 
And he leaves him in there for about an hour. And after about an hour, he goes and checks on his pessimist son. And he looks into the, in the door and his son is sitting in the middle of all of these wonderful toys crying. And he, he's, he can't figure it out. So he goes in and he asks him, son, why are you crying? And, and his son starts to, to, to make all of these negative comments. Oh, my friends are going to be jealous and these great toys, I'm going to play with them and they're just going to break and then I'm not going to have them anymore. And he just goes on and on and on and on. He's like, well, I'm going to go check up on my Optimus son. So he, he goes out to check on his Optimus son and he, he looks in the window and his son is in there just tossing horse manure all over the place. So he goes in there and he's like, son, what in the world are you doing? And he says, dad, I know there's got to be a pony in here somewhere. Now, the world would like to say that it's all about positive self-image and positive self-thinking and all of that, okay? And, and, and I don't want to distill the, the two options that Mary has here just, to, just simply that. But, but I want you to realize that, that, that you probably lean one direction or the other. And, 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 and what Mary does, instead of focusing on the emotion of the situation like we often do when we make decisions or we're trying to, to make decisions in life, Mary focuses on the truth of God. She knows Him and she knows that He can do the impossible. And she knows that He works in life. The amazing thing about this, think about this, is that God hasn't worked in directly in this nation of Israel for over 400 years. And, and, and now he is yet, even after that time, Mary is sure that God is her king, that she is his servant, and that he just, she just needs to submit to what he wants to do with her. And, and as, as servants of Christ, as children in the family of God, we are His subjects and we are His to do with what He wants to do. And the world may want to say that that takes away our freedom and that's not very fun, but you know what? It's the best place to be in life. Just willingly submitting to what God wants for us. And that's exactly what Mary did. She simply submitted her life before her King and her Lord God. Now, I want to tell you a personal story, and some of you already know this, so I won't tell all of the details, but when I graduated from the University of Wyoming with my, secondary, uh, with my Bachelor of Science in Secondary Business Education, I had the, tra the trajectory of my life planned out. I had the map. I was going to graduate, I was going to apply, and I was going to be a teacher in a high school somewhere. I was going to teach accounting, I was going to teach computers, I did my student teaching at Lusk, and I loved it. And I kind of felt like I was pretty good at it. And, and uh, I, I had professors at the University of Wyoming tell me, David, you know what? Um, you're going to get the, the cool thing about you with the, the, your grades and your honors and stuff is you're going to kind of get to pick where you teach. It's not a matter of if, it's where. Okay? Trajectory. I've got it planned out. I've spent five, I crammed four years into five and I graduated. Now, before you think 
more than you should. I did actually get a 4.0 one semester. That was my goal. I'm going to do it. And I did it. I ended up with mono at the end of the semester, but I did it. Okay, it was hard. So here I go. I, I apply to, for teaching positions in Colorado. I apply for teaching positions in Wyoming. I apply for teaching positions in Montana. I even applied for teaching positions in Kansas. You might think that was desperation speaking, but actually the Montana one was desperation speaking. I, was th I would have been 30 miles from the Canadian border in northern Montana. And uh, my brother thought it would, was great. He said, just think of it, David. If you teach there, you could go to a foreign country every weekend. As long as it was Canada. <laughs> so here's what most of the administrators told me. They, says, they, they told me that I was at the top of their list. I was told that more than one time. And not one time did I get a phone call that said, hey, we'd like you to come teach. Not once. I got the whole trajectory of my life planned out and it's not turning out the way that I thought it was going to. So I have a choice here. I have a, an opportunity to respond in one way or the other. And praise God, the response that I had was not sulk and sour and, you know, oh, I'm terrible and I'm a lousy person and all of that. I didn't go there. What I did was ask the question, okay, Lord, what now? If not this, then what? So I moved back home. Actually, I was at home. I was there in the area while I was applying to all of these places. And I, I farmed. Did some partnership stuff with my brother-in-law. Worked for my dad. And then leased a hog barn and I custom fed pigs. That's what I did. It's like, what now, Lord? Okay. And while the while I was doing that, I was helping with the youth group in my home church. And, and I was getting frustrated in the course of the year because, because when I would want to take the kids on some youth retreat or something, I would have to leave my dad home to do all my chores and do all my work. And I felt guilty about leaving my dad all of that work. And then there were those times where I stayed home to do all of that work and I skipped taking the kids to a retreat or a conference or something and I felt guilty for that. So there's this internal thing going on here. This, God, what are you doing and what do you want me to do? I need to do one or the other. And in the midst of that process, I went on a mission trip with a good friend of mine, Derek Jackson, who was the youth pastor here at this church. And we took our kids together, and we went on a mission trip to, to Kentucky, actually. We were supposed to go to Los Angeles. The Los Angeles riots happened. The board here said, nah, -uh, you're not going to L.A. in the midst of all of that. We went to Kentucky. And when we got back, as circumstances would have it, Derek resigned and moved on to something else in his life. And I get a phone call. And that phone call is, hey, David, um, we need a youth pastor. Are you interested? I said, maybe. And so I came up and the rest is kind of history, to make a long story short. Not, not the trajectory that I had chosen for myself, not my plan, but it was God's plan. And he worked that out, even though in the course of that, I didn't understand and I was confused and I was anxious about some things, but I just continued to trust. God, I trust you. You know what you're doing. I mean, and it didn't get all rosy when I moved to Lingle. I'm sorry to say, but, but I, 
I didn't think I was going to live, and I haven't yet, but I've almost been here half of my entire lifetime, that I would live in Lingle that long. I didn't really like Lingle. Okay? Sorry. No offense. I figured I was going to be single till I moved away from this place. There were no eligible women my age. So I just resigned myself to the fact that, that I'm serving the Lord, you know, in this Africa called Lingo. <laughs> and to be honest with you now, I, I can't imagine myself living anywhere else. I mean, I, if God were to say go, I would. But at this point, um, it's amazing how God can turn a wildcat into a dogger. I mean, really. And uh, God has done some amazing things. It hasn't all been cherry and it hasn't all been rosy, but God had a different plan. And He made that happen in my life. And, and you might be sitting here and He may be working on His plan for your life right now. Things may not be as you had picked them to be. But he can take what you have and probably is taking what you have and make it into something that's good. And use you to do what he wants to do just like he did Mary. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. May that be our response. May that be our cry you know, Elizabeth recognizes Mary's humble servanthood as well. Look in verse 45. Blessed is she who has believed that what the Lord has said to her will be accomplished. Blessed is she who has believed that what the Lord has said to her will be accomplished. Way to go, Mary. Way to trust. Way to hang in there, even in the midst of all of the talk. Because what God is doing in your life is important. And what He is doing in your life and in my life is important. I don't think we can under... I don't think we should underestimate what God is doing and how He's using us in the lives of other people around us. The words that we say, the attitudes that we have, the things that we proclaim, the faith that we have in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, He uses all of that. Even if it seems at first as a passing as a passing um, sentence or comment to someone. He can use that. And then, what's Mary's final response? What's the final thing that we see her do? She worships. She is pregnant. <laughs> a virgin and pregnant. And the people back home are talking. And she worships. My soul glorifies the Lord. And, and here's the amazing thing. She doesn't worship herself. She puts the glory where it needs to be. My soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For He has been mindful of the humble state of His servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is His name. Even in the midst of circumstances that are less than dandy. For her, she worships. 
His mercy extends to those who fear Him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with His arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped His servant Israel. Remember, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, even as He said to our fathers, And then it says that Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. Let's worship. Let's worship this season. Let's worship what God is doing and what He has done. Let's worship Him, not ourselves, not our circumstances. Let's hold on to what He says. As a final illustration, Michelangelo... Michelangelo did a a statue, a sculpture... And it was his final work, and it was called Rondanini Pieta. And he worked for 10 years on this particular sculpture. Now, he had done a sculpture before, about 20 years earlier, and it was just called Pieta. So if you go home and you look at this and you want to see what it is, there's two different ones. Pieta is, is Mary, depicts Mary sitting in a chair holding Jesus, holding a full-grown Jesus. And, and, and he is in just, uh, I don't know if, it's, if he's dead, if it was after he was crucified or, or what, but um, it, this, this sculpture is actually in the Vatican um, right now. It's beautiful. I looked at it. It's amazing to me that somebody could take a piece of stone and with a chisel and a hammer make this thing, but he did. Now, this second one, this, this Rondadini, he wasn't quite as successful with it. In fact, he worked 10 years on it. And he ended up breaking the stone. Um, A contemporary of his, Giorgio Vasari, he said this about about Michelangelo. He said he ended up breaking the stone block probably because it was full of impurities and so hard that sparks flew from under his chisel. The sculpture was rescued by a servant and survives to this day. It bears the marks of Michelangelo's chisel, but none of the beauty of his earlier work. So what happened? Another sculptor named Lorenzo Dominguez once summarized the dilemma and unpredictability of working with stone. He said this, The stone wants to be stone. The artist wants it to be art. Now the same dilemma exists for each of us who are the work of God's hands. You see, in an attempt to free the image of Christ that's within us, God begins chipping away everything that isn't Christ-like. The stone of our lives either submits to the chipping or it resists. If it submits, Christ-like features of the Savior begin to emerge from our lives. If it submits long enough, the Savior Himself Emerges. If, however, it resists and continues to resist, there will come a day when God will let the stone be stone. C.S. Lewis states it this way. He says, There are only two kinds of people in the end. Those who say to God, Thy will be done, as Mary did, and as I pray each one of us do as servants of Christ. And those to whom God says, Okay, go ahead and have it your way. Let's respond to the work that God is doing in our lives.
with humility, faith, and worship. And let's celebrate His goodness this, this Christmas season. After all, He came to save us. Lord Jesus, thank You. Thank You that You work hard to chip away at us, to create us to be what You want us to be. And Father, I pray that You would help each one of us in this room recognize that that ultimately, that that, that is what's best for us. That we are living Your plan for us, not our own plan. That, that, that we are seeking You. That we are worshiping You on a daily basis. Even in the midst of difficult circumstances in our life, Lord. Because, Lord, I know You want to use each and every one of us in the lives of other people. And You want to do a work in our own life and help us to submit to You. Help us to have the attitude that that may our life be as you would have it to be. And Lord Jesus, I pray that if there is anybody here in this room this morning that is just struggling with that, that they would submit it, that they would just give it up to you. Lord, I can't help but think there were times when Mary laid in bed at night and went, holy cow, what is going on? I don't know if I can stand the talk and the gossip anymore. And I can only speculate, Lord, that times like those, she would, look, she would look up to you and she would say, Father, I know that all things are possible with you. Give me the strength. Help me get through this. Maybe you need to cry out to Jesus this morning and, 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 and plead with him to do that, to give you the strength to continue in the circumstance that you're in. He's not taking it away. And I kind of think, why endure it just to get through it? Why not learn and grow? Oh, Jesus, help us to celebrate You this Christmas. Not all the other traditions and things which are good, but Lord, help us not to focus on those and, and remove our focus from You. Help us to seek first Your kingdom. To worship You. To worship You glory to God in the highest. Glory to God in the highest. In Jesus' name, amen.